Hey everyone, welcome back to the arena. I'm MD, joined here by Matt, and once again, a special guest that we can't wait to get into. Uh, before any of that, though, love and appreciation to those that continue to follow and show us some support. What's up, guys? Uh, like MD said, we've got another very special guest here today with us. Uh, this is Scott Tatum. Scott is a wellness advocate. Um, he is a minimalist, uh, and he is also an author uh, who just came out with a book more recently um, that he, if you're watching on video, is promoting right now, and I'll let Scott share a little bit more about that uh, in just a second. So um, first of all, thank you, Scott, for, for being here with us. And why don't you just share a little bit about who is Scott, kind of how you got to where you are today, what inspired you to write a book, etc. Yeah, long story, because you're talking to a 62-year-old man, So, um, but I'm going to shorten it uh, as best I can. So yeah, I'm I'm I've um, I've just fallen into something. This is uh, this whole community. This uh, uh, what's been built through social media uh, has not been on purpose. And um, when I started uh, doing what I did with the friendly reminders, with uh, advocating supporting the outdoors uh, because it's what saved my life uh, years ago when I had uh, just given up on myself and uh, and so uh, my social media was my part of my therapy it was part of my holding myself accountable by putting things on video things grew uh, grew to where it, it resonated with people and it used to be just about me uh, but now it's about a community of 1.4 million people that um, that I'm just privileged that they let me be a part of and and um, and it's led to uh, being able to take the venue onto other platforms as well as podcasts as well as uh, being able to write this book um, which has been out about a month and anybody that goes to my channel or my page is going to um, see me talking about it I put stories up uh, read chapter or read uh, paragraphs from it I I just talk about it all the time because it's uh, what I went through with my own mental health um, after again like I said giving up on myself finding a trail and hiking and save my life and these are just uh, uh, quote sayings that uh, helped me and they're just I expand on them and and uh, it, this, it's, it's I, ca I can't say this enough about this. This is for anybody, and this is for everybody. It doesn't matter what age you are, what level of your self-care, whatever you're looking for. This is, this um, can help you push down that path. Yeah, uh, Scott, you mentioned it. it um you know, nature kind of, the outdoors saved you uh, when you had given up on yourself. You maybe just elaborate on that a little bit. What is it, what does Scott giving up on himself look like? Um, and how did the outdoors, quote unquote, save you from doing, from doing just that? Yeah, absolutely. So, so when I dropped into this world <laughs> many moons ago, um, I, uh, I dropped into an extremely volatile, chaotic environment. Um, I had an alcoholic parent who I was their target till I was age eight, till my mom uh, finally left my dad, which 
she hadn't, there's probably 50-50 <laughs> that I'd be sitting here right now. But um, my first first years uh, were just spent uh, trying to figure out how to survive. Um, I became, I built a, quite a repertoire of survival skills at a very early age. And, um, and I moved and carried that into adulthood. And when you take survival skills uh, as a kid, traumas, things like that, and you carry them into adulthood, and that's how you operate. Look, it saved my life at, quite a few times probably at one time. But when you're an adult and you're still operating in that very dysfunctional thinking and trying to survive and um, being very distrustful, um, it doesn't it doesn't play well into business. It doesn't play well into relationships. Uh, you, uh, for me, um, you know, I was I, I was a liar. I tried to cover things up. I was always behind the eight ball because I was trying to um, uh, control the narrative around uh, everything because that's I had no self-worth. I did not want anybody looking poorly upon me. So I did everything uh, I could, including self-sabotaging to destroy myself for years and a lot of collateral damage around me um, until I was just a little north of 50. Like I said, I'm 62 now. And that's when I had given up on myself. Um, and when I say that, I always disclaimer that I wasn't looking for a mountain to climb up and jump off of. I had given up going forward. I was done. Uh, I was exhausted. I was done living this life, and it just was wasn't working. Couldn't um, couldn't get it to to move in a direction I wanted, and and. Uh, I just had made a decision I was going to get up every morning, move through the day with whatever I was happening or I was doing, go home, go to bed, wake up the next day, and just wait till I die. So that's when I was out running around one day and uh, driving around, and I was feeling very much in victim mentality and feeling sorry for myself and blaming everybody else in the world and my past on where I was at. And I've, I just, by happenstance, stumbled across a trail. Um, and I saw the big board, you know, it shows all the, you know, the trail around this lake and all that. And so I just started walking. And uh, there just, something happened. Um, and I, I uh, never stopped. Here I am, 12 years later or whatever. Yeah, so, like, talk a little bit more about that. What, what, is, what does nature mean to you? You know, what does it do for you? Because... You know, for me personally, like I've become very connected to self-care stuff. You know, as you know, meditating, journaling, yeah. um, you know, exercise, of course. But the one part of me that I think I'm still trying to improve my relationship with is is nature and like really connecting with nature. So I'm just curious for you, like, what is your relationship with nature? Where did it start? How has it evolved? Sure. Yeah, it would started on that trail. Um, it, it it it. You know, I walked for hours and. And it's it. So what in, ended up the best way I can explain it, it. It's not. I there's a lot of things I remember about it, and a lot of things that don't. It was. It was. I don't ever. I tell everybody I don't believe I was. There was some. You know, I was uh, touched at that moment, or something like that happened to me. What, as I was walking, and what 
and I didn't have my phone. Uh, that's some again. I don't remember uh, back then exactly why I wouldn't have had my phone with me or what the deal was. But there, I had there was no noise anymore. You know, I, I'd gotten down the trail a little bit. Um, um, I started getting into almost a meditative state by just walking. I was just hearing my footsteps. Uh, I no longer heard the road anymore. I no longer heard any of that noise of society of any way in, in, in my head. It was the, the wind through the trees. It was the lake, the, uh, the waves. It was, again, me walking. So it was all of that. And what ended up happening was is I've been dealing with all these demons in my head, all these, these thoughts that were placed into me, you know, by, by, you know, as we're growing up by whoever, and in my case, mostly my dad. Um, and just all of these thoughts that were just constantly what drove my decisions. So once everything did shut off and all I could hear was that out there, uh, there was a problem at the beginning because those things got really loud. Those demons, it, I, I think I, I look at it as an opportunity they took uh, to just get really loud in my head. And now, but here's the thing that happened with that. I, you know, when, when you get into a victim mode and you're blaming everybody in the world, no matter what's happened on anything that doesn't go right for you, you don't think about these things that are happening to me right, right now on this trail. And what, I, what I'm getting to is... I started hearing these demons and they started turning into these voices of where they actually were coming from. All these things that were being said to me were now in my dad's voice. There was just, it was all of this almost like it just peeled away this piece that said, ah, this was put into my head. This was not. You know, it's just not, I'm not, there's not something wrong with me. There's not, I'm, you know, I'm not possessed or I'm not, you know, I'm just, uh, um, the, this is my, this is my dad. And of course, all the other, whatever information I had, I just started recognizing where it was coming from. So I started to feel like I was getting an understanding of <laughs> how I just lived these 50 years. Um, other than blaming, I started realizing, hmm, you know, things have happened. You know, I just started looking at it a little differently. Would so, you compare it? <clears throat> would you compare it to surrendering or acceptance of, you know, the reality, your reality? Is that, am I on the right track here? Yeah, you are. I think that again, when you uh, absolutely, uh, I think that's a part of it. Is, you know, again. I, what, what happens is, is when you, when you grasp, when, when it's such a young age, again, you have to understand, I don't think I had an, an ounce of any self-worth until not only being after being north of 50 when all this started and giving up on myself, it was still a couple of years after that of doing all this hard-ass work before I finally started you know, you know, feeling worthy. So when you're, when you're stuck there and then you get into something happening, like you just said, yeah, absolutely. Did something trigger? Did something, 
some realization happened, some accepting of, you know, um, absolutely. There, I think there was a lot of things I wish I could go back to those hours, that half a day, whatever it was, and really, really tap it, you know, but I, it, there's a lot of things that aren't clear about it. Um, I, I think I did get in, I, it was the first time I got into a meditative state. I've never meditated before, but I realized it was a meditative state as I do reflect. It was just an active meditation. I was so focused on walking <laughs> and, and a lot of times just watching my feet. And so anyways, yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot of that. And for other people going through life like you, um, you know, it took you, like you said, 50 years to get to that point. You're living a pretty, on the surface, perhaps a normal life. Help others recognize those demons. You know, maybe that's a favor we can do for each other. What are, what are those demons saying in your head, in your own voice, when they were in your own voice? Well, a couple of things, you know, touching back on, on which, um, what we were talking about and, and uh, it was mentioned around journaling and all these things. So you have to understand cognitive behavioral therapy became a very important thing in my life and I did a lot of research on that. You have to also understand too, part of my life, I was an administrator for an adolescent residential treatment center for years. Um, my mom, after she left my dad, went uh, back to school to become a therapist. So I watched her go back, get her bachelor's, master's, doctorate. She, this is back in the late 60s, uh, 70s as I was growing up, and, and I was exposed to that. She practiced out of the house. All that was there. There was a lot of, lot of um, unethical, inappropriate things that I was exposed to, but the 70s was a different time. That's not excusing it, but all these people that were in her therapy world became our friends. So this was, it was a very kind of a weird kind of thing happening in our house in my life back then. But my point being is I had all this information in my head about what perhaps you should do if you felt the way I did or think how you should handle it or how you should address it. The reason I bring that back up and rewind that a little bit is that the point is that is how damaged and how stuck I was. I even with I could sit down and talk to someone just like me that was going through just like what I did, same age, whatever, and I could literally help them move forward and break through and do those things. I just could not turn that on myself. Still am working on trying to understand a little bit of that, but so you know, the voices in my head are ferocious were ferocious and they still are sometimes but it's a it's you know with the things um i can tell you that i that i utilize now uh you know they're they're very much under my control they don't control me anymore but um my my anxiety my things were in the mornings because again i lived my whole life trying to be someone I wasn't and trying to maintain that even as a teenager and as a kid um, and the only way to do that was to control it and the only way to try to control it was to to you know try to always protect 
any being exposed. And that was never, again, part of never asking for help. Learned it as a kid. I never asked for help. I, I was that guy, if you walked by on the street, and there was a big, giant puddle of the worst, nastiest mud or whatever it was, and I was laying it. And you walked up and said, hey, and held your hand out and said, hey, man, let me help you out of there. I would be literally in that, wallowing around, saying, no, 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 no I'm good. It's all Which good. is interesting because you were helping other people, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. Yeah, you have to understand too that if, I don't know if you guys ever been much around the helping field or in the helping field, but most people that are in the helping field, <laughs> and I don't use that uh, uh, loosely, but most people are damaged. You know, most people in the helping field are coming from, uh, you know, something maybe a little bit more. Uh, harsher in what they dealt with than most, you know, that's, that's why they're getting into it. So there was a lot of that, the exposure, you know, my mom was a wonderful woman, a lot of ways, but again, there was just, um, <laughs> there was just, it was, it was, it was different. There's, just, there's a lot of stories in there, but to try to stay on focus and address these things. So these voices were just very aggressive. You know, there was, there was, there, there were the voices were, um, were uh, that again just some of the most awful things. I mean, I, I had some really tough thoughts, um, you know, uh, about things in the world and <laughs> at times what I wanted to do to people uh, when 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 I was stressed. And again, when I was waking up in the morning, I was trying to protect things because, you know. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to get into all that because it's, it's, uh, I've healed from, from that. I tell that story differently. But it was just, you know, I was, you know, uh, I, I, I'll usually tell one story. But, you know, when I was at that age, when I was walking, I, I was a late walker. So my dad, of course, mo majority of the time, my sister always reminds me, was always drunk. But um, as I've asked questions, and this is something I don't remember, but it's the best way I can drive this home so I, I don't even know what the age I was again it's hard to connect those things even my sister remember but you know I get what is it 18 months maybe somewhere around there but I was late attempting to walk so my dad was home which was rare but he was drunk as usual so I wasn't walking fast or, or quick enough or I wasn't walking on his demand or whatever the situation was so the man took me and picked me up and slammed me down um, on the ground and broke my um, left uh, that long bone in your thought what is that femur bone or something your femur yeah just snapped it and here's the deal and these are just this as it goes on so as my this is again I this is information from my sister my mom has Alzheimer's I can't get anything else from her anymore but um, he wouldn't let my mom take me to the take her take me to the doctor so this is, but you have to understand this was constant, not necessarily that violent of a thing, but that was constantly what I was dealing with. So my thoughts about things <laughs> weren't always, you know, again, that's where I, I talk about it being so aggressive because everything for me was very, very vivid, real, and it was, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty, pretty bad. So 
again, back to the voices. I promise I'll get to it. So again, just aggressive stuff. Again, I had no self-worth. I, I, you know, was the verbal abuse was bad too. So all that, all that was just there. It was, it was always that I was an imposter that it's never going to work. Um, and I'm taming this up a little bit, you know, there's all the F's and you know, all that in there, but just constantly, uh, never was going to work. It would never go away. And you have to remember, I'm a very, there's a difference between self-worth. This is one of the things I try to, to, to get people to understand. Self-esteem, self-confidence are different than self-worth. Self-esteem and self-confidence are external. It's what you're getting, like if you do a good job and your boss says, hey, you did a good job and you get rewarded. You know, you feel that's esteem. You know, you're getting some self-esteem. You're getting some confidence that you're doing something well. But when you have internally self-worth, when you have no self-worth, that's your that's internal. So that's that for me was so strong it would always override that. I I was always moved through the ranks of everything I did. I was always you know uh, good at those things. I could do those things. But if I was about to reach something, if I was about to hit a goal or a pinnacle or whatever, subconsciously or sometimes just fuck this shit, I'd screw it up. I'd somehow throw a wrench in there or, or kill it. I just couldn't get away from, from all of the chatter. And, and I, only, I got so good at feeling comfortable being behind the eight ball. I got, I, what gave me a pleasure or feeling good about myself or a hit somehow uh, that way was jacking something up so much and getting out of it, you know, just burying myself and getting out of it was like, oh, it was Again, miserable existence, a way to live and how you're thinking of it. And you're always scared and nervous and, and always you're going to get exposed and all that. But if you got away with it. Fight or flight, yeah. Oh my, but if you got away with it, it was just like, you know, so there's good things in that if you just hang on to the right things. Like there's not anything I tell my boys all the time. I said, you know, and they know there's not, it doesn't matter what you put in front of me. I'll, it, it, you know, it doesn't scare me. I'll figure it out. I'll get through it. I just don't. <laughs> it's, it's different now. So, yeah, Scott, get, let, me, let me ask yeah. you on that. So, what are your thoughts? What are the thoughts now? What have those thoughts that were once very aggressive and, and negative, like what, what have those thoughts become? Because I know, you know, our brain, the, that concept of neuroplasticity and Absolutely. rewiring. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a great question. So this is what ties all this together. So cognitive behavioral therapy, again, big deal for me. Um, and again, uh, this is part of what I learned in cognitive behavioral therapy that uh, was journaling. You'll never not find me with multiple journals around. I just, I cannot not, not have them. But what they did for me was not only getting things out of my head, getting you know, when I was, you know, getting anxious, whatever was happening, getting it out of my head on paper, but then was learning how to start connecting the dots, you know, ha 
after dumping things out because I just got really anxious or got up in the morning, whatever was going on, I had a list of things that I would go through. And it would be, okay, where am I? Who did I just talk to? What did I just eat? What's the weather outside? Um, where am I? Uh, you know, just all these things to where eventually I started understanding what was triggering what was, you know, a, a, some, you know, a more anxiety moment, you know, and, um, and once, you know, just like you guys, you know, probably know now is if you can't fix something, if you don't know what, what it is or where it's coming from. So it was huge for me, the journaling, starting to connect the dots and being able to go, like I said, back into the past, jumping back there and going, you know, understanding it's where it came from and going, well, well, this is over. This doesn't mean anything, you know, but dad's freaking been dead 20 years, you know, you know, it's over, you know, let's, let's, let's move forward. So here's the next piece, the voices, cognitive behavioral therapy got me turned on to thought pattern interruption. Okay. And I can't, I do it four or 500 times a day. It's just constant, but this is where the whole self-care savage mentality comes in. Again, I'm not that guy that's going to respond to pats on the back, pats you know on the knee and say, oh, you're doing a good job, or let's go talk about this and sit around and you know try to work this out. That never worked for me, you know? Um, and so I needed to crush this stuff. I was getting really strong, I was getting stronger, feeling better, feeling like I could get through this stuff, had, some techniques I could use now. Um, and I was just, you know, I was just in a different place. But these voices, I still wake up every damn morning and it would take me sometimes hours to move on with the day. This is how important it was to me. I would work on things for hours. I would read, I would journal, I would go through progressions. You know, I, I did my, you know, uh, stretching, I'd, I'd, I'd hike, whatever it is, the non-negotiables every day and just pound on them until I got my head right. Until I could be better for myself that day, which in turn would always make me better for other people. That's the self-care savage thing. Because everybody pushes back so hard, I had to throw that in there. You can't be better for others if you're not better for yourself. Now, the thought pattern interruption. So here's the last thing about it. Here's how it is for me now that brought, has brought me into a place uh, that I can kill any thought that comes into my head relatively quickly within minutes. So, uh, have you ever seen the movie 300? Yes. Okay. So, been a while. <laughs> badass freaking movie. Um, and so, for some reason, I started thinking about that one day, and I, you know, I loved that whole movie. I loved the whole. Spartans deal where they and I and I and I'm in I'm into the stoicism a little bit and you know it comes back from Greek mythology and and stuff like that you know the actual 300 uh, uh, myth and all that kind of stuff and uh, it was about fighting all of these horrors and evils in the world and you are always outnumbered there was just 300 of these guys so when that comes into my head that's what I have in my head is I have a regiment of 300 of the baddest ass demon killers there is. And they 
go on attack as soon as, as soon as those things start happening and they don't stop they do not stop until it's they're dead they're there's dead there's no I don't I don't dance with my demons I don't talk to them I don't try to be friends with them I don't try to do that the only way I can get through it is they have to die is the is the underdog dynamic intentional? Because you can go with Roman <laughs> Empire, for example, right? But you go with, um, by the way, great movie. Just three hundred though is is like the odds are greatly against them. Is that by design in your mind? Is that how you continue to view it? And do you think that that might evolve into maybe a shifted dynamic over time? Yeah, I think it's. I'm in complete evolution all the time. So things, yeah. There's, I'm. There's things that that's going to happen. But that that that's a good question. I don't think that's ever been um, been asked in that way. I don't. That's it. There's probably an element to that. Um, at, I can only tell you one of the one of the greatest things that's happening for me right now in my life is. One of the things, again, you do when you live the life I lived and as a victim and latching on to it and, and you, you, you bury anything good that happened to you, all the good, you just stop remembering because everything is, you're so focused on all the bad and the, and the negative and all that. So you just keep, time goes by, the memory fades, you keep throwing all that yuck on it. So healing and forgiving and everything, all the this work that I've done has now, these last few years, started peeling back all of these, all these good things. And so one of the things I've been doing with my podcast, uh, the last few guests, is there's, I've had some, some, some um, influences in my life. And, and this is maybe to try to connect that. And maybe understand. I'm not sure if I'm there yet, but 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 where my thinking is with it. So do y'all, you guys know y'all are everybody's younger than me. So I always ask, do you do you know who John Wayne is? Yeah, I, I know the name. <laughs> no, he he's an, <laughs> he's a, for me as well. <laughs> he is an he is an uh, an old western uh, actor. Yeah, so the cowboy movies, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. Now. So. Uh, that again, so again, my that's the generation I'm from, and so do you. Have you ever seen the movie True Grit with Jeff Bridges? I think you're exposing our generation more than you are yours. But well, I'm trying to expose you. Exposing yours now, my but, lack of movie knowledge. <laughs> okay, do you? But have y'all ever heard that movie? No, it but was, let's let's go with it. Let's okay, with it. so well, let's 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 go back to the uh, the John Wayne thing because it was just a remake. I was just wondering if y'all. Y'all knew the remake a few years ago. But anyways, so this, this man was a, um, all of his characters were hero characters. They were always protect the, the protector. He was this tough, big, he was 6'5", you know, in, in real life. He was just this big, tough man, but, but was, you know, was loving and gentle and, you know, but again, he was just, you know, if you, if you crossed the line and, you know, you messed with a kid or a woman, you, you're going to get your ass kicked. You know, that was just the way it was. So th that man touched me in that time where there was one summer I went and saw this one movie called True Grit. Um, I went and saw it, I don't know how many times. I can't remember, but it was one summer I snuck in every day to see this same movie and over and over again. 
because I was so so of need of a of, of the of a man's influence like that because I never had that never really knew what it was so I got it from him and and he became my hero and I wanted him to be my dad so I know sometimes my stories take a minute but now this goes back to your question so and and what I was saying about my podcast so I've been reaching out to the to these individuals families and I had like I had his son on my podcast uh, a few weeks ago Ethan Wayne and uh, you know he's the head of the John Wayne Foundation if y'all look it up you'll see it's a pretty big deal John Wayne Foundation and also he died of cancer so he's got the uh, the John Wayne Cancer Foundation and um, so anyways had him on my podcast because I wanted this is part of my continue to heal is to give back and draw attention to in any way I can to these influences that I had that now I'm starting to remember got me through these little pockets of the chaos in my life. You know, it gave cool. me, it gave me that hope. Cool. So like who I had on my podcast today, I'm going to give you one last person. It was one of the people I had on today. Have you, do you know who e I hope y'all do. Do you know who Evil Knievel is? Yes. Okay, do you know Robbie, his son, Robbie Knievel? Do you know? But We know Evil Knievel. It's, okay, so we'll leave it there. That. So Evil Knievel, again, same 70s, same kind of man at that time. Again, his backstory is a little, a little more uh, dangerous. But I had her on the podcast today, too. Um, you know, again, so... Again, because it's there's all these these things that have been peeled back, and I just uh, it it to go back to your original question around, you know, do I the underdog stuff and all that? I don't know, but I think when you ask that, I think there is some connection here around um, some of that this hero stuff, these these bigger than life people that did these freaking amazing things um, that were again. Um, I need I, I I needed, and probably, as I had forgotten, were things that that helped me get through some 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 hell. Yeah, Scott, I, I think it's really really important, um, you know, for people, you know, in their mid forties or, or whatever it is, to start their healing journey. Just just the point of like, it's never too late. And I wonder, I just, my question kind of revolves around, you mentioned at the really beginning of the podcast, like, this is for everyone, irrespective of age, like, just talk, just elaborate on, like, what that means to you, why that's important to you, because, like, I think it's super important, like, I feel like a lot of our society is like, well, I'm already X years old, like, life is what it is, this is my identity, this is who I am. And I think it's important that we shine the light of like, it's never too, you're never too old or it's never too late to change and like to, to want to make a change. Yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, you say 40s, you know, I say, you know, I say teens, I say whatever. It's, it's, you know, the longer we keep holding on to things, the more they set, the more they settle in, the harder it is to unwind it. I only say that because I've I've just been on this earth th this long, and I, and and I I just know my own story, and I know 
that even as full of information as I had, like I just explained to you, the you know, the having psychology background, um, it, you know, it just, um, it just overtook me. I let it, I let it hang on to me and, and I was good when you, when you're a survivor and you, you know, a lot of times, a lot of you're good at, you get good at a lot of this deflection and, and smoke and mirrors <laughs> and all that. And that's what a lot of people happen. A lot of people with trauma and things like that, they just good big, they're good liars. They're good at, at doing these things. And so sometimes it's hard to get through that. So I try to relate a lot of it to an addictive mindset as well. You know, addicts are, are that's an addict. When a lot of times when I explain a victim, uh, having victim mentality, you know, that's, there's a lot of addict mentality that goes with it. There's a lot of hanging on. There's a lot of that blaming. There's a lot of that deflection. There's all those things. There's not one thing that can be said, but the reason I, I put this book together and it is because it's got 140 very impressionable sayings in there that just made an, a huge that made me it was those slaps upside the head like i was telling you i don't do well with with let's talk about it for you know eight years what's your favorite one well the the one i go I'm to sure they're all your favorite no but. here's 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 there a lot of them are but here's the one that that i i um i i think is very important that everybody in, in including right now and you guys is you know i'll try to get in character here Friendly reminder, right now, this moment is the only moment that matters. So, no, it, that, it, that's a very powerful, yeah, the, the idea of being present um, is so important, especially for people that struggle with anxiety and it's just so easy to get caught in your head in the future and all the thoughts of what might or might not happen. So, I, yeah, that's very powerful. Yeah, you're either dabbling in the past or you're focused on the future. You know, the past is over with and done with, but you're still, you're still letting it affect you, and then you're in the future, and you know what? Shit ain't even happened yet and probably won't. So it's, it's real dangerous to not be try to stay focused, and the best way to do that, and everybody says, well, you do that. Well, why don't you be grateful? Your um, your profile labels you a nomad. I think we introduced you a minimalist. Um, you've spoken about your relationship with nature. Nature it seems to have evolved beyond just walking around a body of water. Can you speak to more of like your identity and your relationship to other areas of your of yourself being a minimalist um, and a nomad, and how those things are may or may not even be connected. No, they all are connected. So part of the minimalist uh, stuff definitely has been. So again, this journey and starting this whole self-care savage process and growing into what it is. My it was it wasn't. I've been almost full time for the last six years on the road. So right now I've probably scaled back, especially since the book came out this year. I've probably only been 70, 80 percent out. But I the the when I started that was when my youngest son was moving out. And so I, met, I did a little planning around it. You know, you sell your sticks and bricks and you put everything in storage and, 
and uh, you know, or things I wanted to keep, which was still stuff I've gotten rid of, but you know, bought, bought a camper, you know, and uh, the day my son moved out was the day I drove away, uh, you know, and started started traveling full time. And, and part of that whole process was I wanted to minimalize too. I wanted to get learn that process again. I still was, had boxes carrying way too much stuff, all that. My point is again, because the reason why is I was so still stuck and not knowing whatever what I wanted. I just knew that everything I had, there was times I had a lot. Um, and I just knew all the stuff I was pursuing and all the stuff I was was uh, uh, you know uh, just being dysfunctional around all, all that junk stuff clothes cars house everything none of it soothed eased my pain or gave me any happiness or joy none of it so I was just part of it was on a quest minimalize and then then figure out maybe where I wanted to settle and then what I wanted. And so this time it was just about, you know, having a true feeling and getting in and the things I wanted through that process. Hiking and all that, again, my deal was to go solo. I wasn't into uh, trying to isolate or uh, drop out, but I was into, um, I was big into national forest lands, very pub public land advocate. Uh, it's public land. People don't realize it's more pristine and nicer than most of any of it resort you can go to anywhere or anything you can do. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it's, it doesn't compare. But I, I wanted to go back as far as I could. I, I stayed for weeks at a time out in these environments. Uh, uh, hiked. You know, I loved uh, uh, stressing my body as far as I could take it because that's when I got the real mental work done is when my body was broken down, everything was hurting. You know, that's when the stressors started happening. That's when the doubt, you know, that's what then made me, you know, find out what I was made of. And that was what I was after. You know, I was probably, you know, at one time, David Goggins book, You Can't Hurt Me came into play because his, his childhood was very, uh, it was the same, different, but the same. So I resonated with that right off the bat, but I just really locked into, I wanted this mindset, which developed into the 300 and all that. So that was what all that, that was, that was about. And again, it's just the, evolved into these other things. The outdoors is, I can't stress it enough. It is the, it's non-judgmental. There's not anything in the outdoors that's going to judge you. You can go out there and, and, and get away from the noise. That's the most important thing. You know, people say people have always pushed back, and it's okay because I do get it. And they've always been, well, I can't do that, or we're not. I'm not close to this, or you must be retired rich, or where do you get all your money to do go these places? And it's you know it's it's you know all that resistance, but it's also just some people need some education. Look, it's public land. That's why I'm an advocate. It's free. I don't pay anything for it. I drive out there. And, 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 and I put my flag down for, for 10 days if that's what I want to do, you know? And then I, it, and, and uh, also you can take it baby steps and you don't have to do it like me. Go find a park, go, you know, they talk about forest bathing now. I'm not into that. I like to move and hike and I like the active meditation. I don't like looking at a tree for two hours and, you know, trying to examine it. But people, that's good for people. So there's all kinds of ways to get this done. 
mine is 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 let's freaking go and i you know I, I i didn't know any other way to do it that's what broke through for me and that's what i believe believe works for me and i tell everybody about it and a lot of people have latched on to it um again i'm not going to hold your hand for very long i might for a minute and i'll you know give it a little pat but then i'm going to smack you upside the back of the head and say get the hell up because none of this is doing any good if we don't move we don't move forward so you you mentioned a lot of things that didn't bring you joy or happiness or soothe the pain of uh you know the money the cars the house what etc I think one of the answers, of course, is, you know, nature and being outdoors. But like, what did you find through this process that actually brings that like lasting fulfillment, that joy, that gratitude? Uh, uh, the outdoors of being outdoors through that? Yeah, just like through your process of, of minimalism and, and understanding oh, okay. that all these things did not bring happiness and, and fulfillment. Like what, what kind of did? What did you learn? Well, it got me focused on what is important. And it got me focused on the now. It got me focused on being grateful. It got me focused on wanting to be better so I can be better for others. It, um, it's a, and, and there's nothing, I'm, there's, there's nothing like putting yourself, uh, like I used to talk about in a dysfunctional way, always being behind the eight ball by all the chaos I created that I had to clean up. So always coming from that every day I woke up to now putting myself in behind the eight ball, uh, only to do things that are hard, you know, that, that again, uh, you know, um, you know, hiking is, you know, I did, I did, um, you know, 94 days on the Appalachian Trail last year, 1,436.2 miles. You know, those, these are things where you actually find out who you are, what you're made of, especially when you get in stressful situations. And so it was very important to me to, to, to that piece, connecting with my mind and understanding that I have to do things to create that create those environments so I then have to push myself to making better decisions not stressing out and then and then jumping back into the hiding or or or, or you know uh, deflecting or not taking responsibility accountability is another big thing being accountable for yourself and and so that that's the outdoors is just is just what does that again it's free, no noise. You can hear yourself. There's no judgment. Um, that's that's what it is for me. And I'm very nomadic. That's the other part too. Is again, uh, moving around and traveling. It's um, you know, it's hard for me to be in some place anymore for more than a couple of days. Um, you know, um, so I like to. It's. The outdoors is really the only place that you can navigate that way as well, unobstructed. 
It's funny you said the word freeing. It's the first word that came to my mind when you talked about the moment my son moved out is when I went out and started, you know, living as a minimalist, living more in touch with the outdoors. It's almost, it's literal in your sense, but very beautifully symbolic with just living freely um, from detaching from all other, you know, pull factors, not to call that your son was an obligation or anything like that, but it seems like you were finally able to live your freest, fullest self I'm curious, my question is, at the times when you have demons in your head, maybe at your lowest point, to where you're at today, who is Scott then? Who is Scott now? So I always try to disclaimer uh, that as I tell stories about myself, I don't always paint a pleasant picture. Um, I was, I was not, I was, I was not a bad person. I I just operated as a weak-minded person. I operated. Um, I let I, I let outside factors control me. You know, I let I, I just was. That was who I was. I was, and I I worked really hard, <laughs> really hard to never be ever be looked at unfavorably and that is a really really hard way to live because you have to do things that you really don't want to do but you're actually comfortable doing which are you know covering up lying being vague all those things that i talked about it's just it's just horrible to to just keep going through that so where I am now is, is I'm very clear. I'm very upfront. I'm not afraid to, to look, I've bared my ass. Um, I, I, I'll talk about anything anybody wants to talk about. Um, and, and I want to be better for myself so I can be better for everybody else. And one of the things that, you know, don't get touched on, but I want to be clarified too. My second marriage is where my boys came from. Uh, they're 29 and 27 now. Those are my whys. Okay, my life was wrapped up into those boys, and I, I, a lot of my identity was wrapped up into those boys. And um, some dysfunctionally, they observed a lot of of, of things that they can connect the dots to now. Um, but I worked really hard to not be my dad, to not operate that way to make sure they didn't feel certain ways was i successful a lot no so so that was part of when i when my youngest son moved out and i drove off i drove off crying my eyes out because that was that was it that what my identity i just drove away from the last piece of identity that i was still somewhat responsible for and so that was a that was a big even though i was as far as i was in my own victim recovery um it was um that was that was really really hard to to move past that but that was all again all part of it was um, I, cause I didn't know what my identity was. That's the whole part of, you know, talking about the money and nothing making me happy and living this way. It's just all these things. I was, I wanted to 
or I needed to go get out of my environment and I needed to go, um, go, look, I didn't know what I was doing. I, you know, you go to YouTube right now or whenever y'all want to, you want to see a grown man, literally six, this was maybe now five and a half years ago, whatever you want to see a grown man sitting in his 16 foot camper, crying his fucking eyes out. Going, I just made a mistake. I don't know what I'm doing. What do I, you know, I, that's still some of the things I was going through. You know, I was still, you know, but I was putting it on video and that was, again, that was part of my therapy. I wanted to not be able to, to uh, get away with anything. I needed everything to be uh, clear, clean, and hard. And that was putting myself out. Yeah, well, Scott, I just want to thank you and acknowledge your vulnerability. I think it's, you know, it's really important and uh, for or not only our listeners but for society. And I also like something that you've continuously said over and over on our on this recording, which is, I wanted to work on myself so I could show up better for other people. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there where it's, you know, per- oh, I don't want to work on myself. That's hard. Self improvement's hard. But when you frame it as I want to do this so I can show up better for other people. I think it's that 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 is very empowering, you know, and someone from someone that, you know, I, I, I do it because I enjoy it. But for someone maybe that's struggling to kind of take that step, um, do it not for yourself, just for yourself, but do it for the for for others. Um, we've got three rapid fire questions to wrap this thing up. And, and before we do that, Scott, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story, for coming on here, for sharing your wisdom, um, some very valuable lessons. Um, the first question is, what is, you know, your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Um, I mean, the best, best thing I've latched on to, um, advice, um, I'm not sure, sure exactly where it came from, but, um, to never give up and never give in. Yep. I, I really like that. Um, the next question is if you could have de- uh, dinner with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Um, gosh, that's a, that's a, uh, God, I have never been asked that. Um, <laughs> that is really, really good one. Who would I want to have dinner with? Um, boy, this is rapid fire. And, uh, no, you can take, um, take a, take a second. Um, well, you know, I think I'm, I'm very much the influences I've had are, you know, within the last 10, 12 years that I would, you know, I, I touched on some of the, the, the influences I had back then. And I think that, uh, golly, you know, there's a couple of people that really intrigue me because of their mindset and things like that. So I can just have one, right? <laughs> Give us two. If you got two that you're battling, well, between, I, there's, hear them both. I think that the, the, there was a combination was certainly, um, I wouldn't mind, you know, sitting down with uh, David Goggins. I think he's, you know, I just like to, I'd like to, to see it live. Um, and there's also a guy that I've followed for years too. Uh, I don't, y'all may know him. I, I think y'all probably do, but it's Cameron Haynes. Um, sounds familiar. I think it's, yeah. Well, he's a, he's a bow hunter, but he runs in that circle with uh, Rogan and uh, Goggins and Willick and, you know, those guys, he is a, um, you should look him up as again, his name's Cameron Haynes and he's just an incredible mindset type person. And he, 
he's dealt with a lot of hate. I've watched him for years. Uh, again, he's a bow hunter, but he's just uh, he. All of these guys that I just mentioned, and the reason why is because people hate on them so much. But, but what they don't realize, and they're not getting, and they're and they're not listening to her through all of that you know, Moxie, Machivo, whatever you want to call it, these guys, these, these are freaking men, is they don't, they're not hearing that part. All of these guys want is for everybody to be better. Right. That is their whole message. It's not just, you know, uh, rush the hill and, you know, you know, capture the enemy as fast as you can. It's, it's just not about all that. It's 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 like, you know, the, these are things that that will make you better. These are things that that will help you. It will, and it, and you know what? I'm a testament of that. You know, I've listened to a lot more of that. I listen to a lot of you know other people too. But anyways, no, very very thought out answer. Second question. <laughs> Third um, question. The last question is just. I mean, we've kind of touched on this, but just what does Scott like to do in his free time, hobbies, that kind of thing. Well, my, the biggest thing for me is hiking. Uh, uh, again, just just the, the, that whole the, the whole episode of uh, the whole um, precursor, everything around it. I just love the gear, the putting the pack on, and and walking, and especially in new environments. So that that that's a that's a huge thing to me. But What's, what, what's really becoming a passion for me is spreading my message. So I'm, there's a lot of things I'm learning right now. So one of the things I'm learning right now that I'm pushing really hard, and this is actually what my profile says now. So I've left some in it. But I'm a, a, a nomad hiker, podcaster, author, and soon-to-be elite speaker. So um, I've, I've, I, I just want to get better now at all these things so I can get in front of more people however to talk about self-worth and how important it is and whatever I can contribute to get anybody of any age to to go to work on themselves first don't wind just what you said for a second it, this is for yourself first self-care first once you're better for yourself, then you can be better for others. And the last thing I'll say about that is to try to drive this home. Like with parents. Parents are the ones that push back on me the most all the time. I can't put myself at the top of my list. I don't have time for that. I have to take care of my kids. You want me to take my kids off the top of my list? Look, if you're a parent and you're not taking care of your own self-care and doing things to make you better, you're a half-assed freaking parent. Boom. So you, uh, drop. and that's with candid. everybody. That's with leaders. Uh, that's what I talk about on LinkedIn. That's what everything I say is look, you know, shut up, shut up with that, all that, you know, you're not getting better every day. So you're just doing it half ass. So what, what are you doing? So that's, that's, you know, again, self care, savage way. That's just the way it is for me. Yeah, no. Um, thank you again, Scott. Again, if you guys didn't listen, new book, Friendly Reminders, Lessons from a Self-Care Savage. Um, go buy it. We'll, we'll put the link in all of our content as well. Thank you again, Scott, for coming on here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.